Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's passage comes from Psalms chapter 22, verses 23 through 31. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him, indeed, shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. I uh, wanted to say thanks again uh, to the folks who helped get the heat on. That would be Jr. and Matt who chased around everybody. I tried, I've worn this joke out. I've tried to get Matt to do a social media post that says, OKC first, we've got gas. He would not do it. <laughs> the more I think about it, the more I think that was probably wise. Uh, we are in the season of Lent. And these words that we just read might be somewhat surprising for a season that we have cast as somewhat dark, uh, very reflective, not necessarily the kinds of words that you would expect to hear on one of these kind of darker, dreary seasons of Lent or Sundays in Lent. But Psalm 22 is unique. It ends that way, but, but let's look at how it begins. It actually begins with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Now, you recognize those words probably. Let me tell you a little bit uh, in the way of an introduction to all that you're going to hear today about what's going on here. We use a phrase around here quite a bit. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever heard around here, we are in the already but not yet kingdom. Anybody else heard that? Okay, some of you are new and you haven't heard that. Let me try to explain that to you. The already not yet kingdom. What that means is we believe that in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we have the resources we need to be a group of people who live in the light of that resurrection. In fact, I want us to be understood as an outbreak of resurrection life. But you don't have to look at the internet very long. You don't have to watch TV very long. Maybe you can just look on your own block and see, wait a minute, things are not okay yet. Things are not 
okay yet. So yes, John, we may have these resources for resurrection living, but right now things are busted up and broken. That's the not yet part. That's the not yet part. The already part is recognizing that God's already raised Jesus from the dead, and it is possible to have a group of people who will live according to that victory, and that victory is love wins. And so you have churches, and you have pastors, and you have Christians who sit in the midst of the not yet, where it is ugly and broken and perhaps even hellish. But we don't just sit there. We are oriented to the future, to the not yet part, to the kingdom that is coming, to the kingdom that will someday happen as God works in and through people just like us to move everything towards God's dreams for all of creation. Does everybody recognize that God has dreams for creation? Does everybody recognize that the God who created creation is not yet finished with creation? And all God's people said, so every once in a while you've got to have a church. Every once in a while you've got to have Christians who will come to where everything is broken and will point to a time when everything can be restored. It's not unlike what happened yesterday. We asked for a few people to come to a condo that the, that the church owns and operates. We want to make it a home for somebody. It, guys, it, I could tell you it was in bad shape, and that would not quite capture it. It is in portal of hell kind of bad shape. <laughs> Terrible shape. And then Christians showed up. Christians showed up more than we thought, more skilled than we thought, worked harder than we thought, and we got done early and did about twice as much work, and in the process, we pointed toward what could be. Make sense? Christians entered into the ugliness of the today and yet worked and organized and pointed toward what could be. Sometimes God calls somebody. Sometimes God calls a couple of somebodies and says, hey, I want you to acknowledge the ugliness, the broken parts. And I want you to go wherever I send you and point toward what could be. Now, it might be across the street at a condo, or it might be Spain, where I might send you to point toward what could be. You guys, you have a great opportunity today to hear from one of these couples God has called them in the midst of a broken culture, a broken society, and said, yep, I want you guys to go out there and point toward what I'm doing out there and point toward what God can do where we're all headed. And so I am excited to hand all of this over to Matthew and Hannah Lawrence. Would you help me? Let's welcome them as they come on up. Thank you, John, and thank you guys for allowing us to speak to you. This is our first presentation together as a couple, so think of this as a practice run, and we're happy that we get to do it in front of you. Um, if you had asked my parents if they would have known that I would be speaking in front of a church at some point on a pulpit, they might have said yes. But if you had asked my parents and my family where I'd be on the morning of February 25th, 2024, they would not have said on a stage in front of my whole church because I almost didn't tell them about it. In fact, I didn't, my husband did. And I believe my response was, you told them? 
but here we are, and there my family is, and we couldn't be happier to be here with you all today. Our names, thank you. Our names are Matthew and Hannah Lawrence. We will be serving as your missionaries to Zaragoza, Spain. Um, we're excited to share about the details of that assignment, and we will get a little bit into that, but a lot of what we want to do today is for you to get to know us and our calling. Um, we do have two wonderful children, Halle, who is three, and Mataniah, who is one, and yes, they are lucky to have us as parents. Um, no, anyone who knows them knows that we are truly blessed, and we couldn't be thankful for them. So today, we want to tell you a little bit about our stories. They are different, but in doing this, we just want to show you all that no matter who you are or where you come from, God can use you. Pastor John has talked and spoken about how God speaks, and um, he calls, and we just want to tell you all that we will always believe you should say yes. But we also want to share with you that um, you don't have to wait for a voice to come down from heaven and tell you that you have to go live in another country. Most times, it's a lot simpler than that. You can serve right where you are today. So... For those of you that don't know, I am from Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago is a twin island country that's located in the Caribbean. And for those of us that might be a little less geographically inclined, um, the little part that is peeking out at the top of the map, that is Florida. And so that is where we are in relation to the United States. Trinidad and Tobago is basically right next to South America. Um, I grew up on the island of Trinidad, and they call it a twin island country. I don't know why they call it a twin island country. It doesn't look the same, but I grew up on the island of Trinidad, and Trinidad is a little more upbeat, whereas Tobago is a little more touristy and laid back. So people from Trinidad love going to Tobago for about a week, but we can't stay any longer than that because it's just too slow. Um, so I grew up on Trinidad, um, on the Caribbean Nazarene College, because my dad was a professor there, and he actually still teaches there to this day, and my mom was the administrative secretary to the president. I might get in trouble if I don't mention that that's my sister, Rachel. Um, <laughs> I grew up there, and they were also both Nazarene pastors. So I grew up full-fledged Nazarene. Um, I saw what it was like, you know, going from house to house, serving, going to the hospitals, doing weddings, doing funerals. And I appreciated seeing how my parents served. But it also made me vow that I would never be a pastor in my life. <laughs> Little did I know that God had something else in mind. Because I still find myself on stage more times than I'd care to admit. <laughs> in contrast to Matthew, I am a local girl from Moore, Oklahoma. Anyone who knows anything about Moore knows that it's Tornado Alley. This is my house in the 99 Tornado. But don't worry, we built a wonderful new house in the exact same spot. And thankfully, it's still standing today. Um, I grew up with two amazing parents and one beautiful older sister. Um, while we did attend church on occasions and special occasions, um, most of my time spent growing up was on the soccer field. All sports families out there know how time consuming it is. And so um, on weekends and weeknights, that's where you would find us. Other than that small hiccup in 99 of having to relocate, which we just went down the street to Norman, 
Um, I've never lived anywhere else. I have never lived outside of Oklahoma. So I do ask that you would please pray for me as we go on this new adventure to Spain. So as I got older, um, I'm about 17 now, I started applying to colleges. There was a point in time where my mother, and I know she's not watching this because she's in church right now, so thankful for that, but she might watch it later. But my mother asked me to do a chore, and it was in that moment I knew deep down in my spirit it was time for me to leave the house. It was just that time. Um, so I was applying to colleges, and I was mainly applying to schools in Florida because of its proximity to Trinidad. Um, however, there was a missionary from Oklahoma. Um, his name was Carl Summer. He was a former district superintendent of the Southwest District, I believe. Your districts are confused in here. Um, he worked in Trinidad for a few years, and when he found out I was applying, he said, you should apply to Southern Nazarene University. And I said, okay. Because the little I knew of the Nazarene schools in America was mainly that they were expensive. And so that was all I knew, and he suggested it, and I said, sure. Because my parents always taught me if God wanted you somewhere, he would make a way, and it wouldn't hurt to apply. Well, I made it to Southern Nazarene University. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I felt exactly at home, of course, because I'm in a country that's not my own, and it's just a little bit different from Trinidad. Um, I got involved in soccer, student government, um, and because it was a Nazarene school, it was easy for me to adapt to. I mean, I grew up Nazarene, except for the fact that I couldn't dance anymore. But that was okay. I didn't dance that much anyway. So um, I made the most of my time at Southern Nazarene University. I met wonderful people, and I truly enjoyed it. Oh, hold on, Free, sorry. Real quick. That person over my left shoulder, that's Hannah. We really didn't know each other yet at that time. But yeah, that's <laughs> Hannah. So my experience, on the other hand, was a little different. In 2014, I received a soccer scholarship and decided to attend Southern Nazarene University. But with not having a whole lot of knowledge on who God was, this was very intimidating to me. My first year, I made a couple of friends um, who I had a lot of the same classes with, and we mainly kept to ourselves. Unlike this guy right here, who knew everybody and was voted homecoming king, um, anyway, I don't want to speak for my friends, but I definitely felt out of place. Towards the end of my first semester, I was sitting in the back of chapel, right back there, <laughs> when a student with an accent began to speak and caught my attention. He spoke about something very personal, and I admired how vulnerable he was in front of so many people. This person ended up leading me to Christ and has played a huge role in my faith journey. He was also funny. He also played soccer, and his name is Matthew. <laughs> Your face went away. So now we're a little caught up. You have somewhat of an idea how we met. We don't have time to get into any more of the details, but um, we really want to talk about our time at SNU because that is where we started feeling our call to missions. Um, for those of you that would have known me growing up, which is none of you, um, <laughs> I struggled a lot with the question of why didn't God speak to me? 
I knew God spoke. I saw it every day in my parents' lives, in the lives of other people. But I always wondered, why couldn't I hear God's voice? So there was a time while we were at Asenio that I spent a lot of time, and I don't know how many of you remember this building, but in the prayer chapel. And I spent a lot of time in there because I made the decision that just like any other relationship, for example, with my wife, if I wanted to get to know this person and know their voice and how they speak, then I need to spend time with them. So that is where I was. And um, it was in one of these moments, I had already been playing, not with the idea, but I was starting to feel like God was coming to missions. And in one of these days, I felt like the Lord said, hey, head into the religion building. I said, no, I'm not going to the religion building. Um, <laughs> it's after five, no one's gonna be there. There's no point. And my mother always told me, if you find yourself arguing, God might be calling you to do something. And so I said, okay, it's not gonna hurt. For those of you that remember, the religion building is literally right next to it, like five steps. So I said, I can go push on the door, prove that it's locked. I walk across, I push on the door, wouldn't you know it, it's open. <laughs> I walk downstairs and the only person in the building is the head of the missions department, Eileen Ruko. So I sat in her chair and I said, Eileen, I believe that God is calling me to missions. And she just took it from there. Um, I went on a few mission trips to Mexico and Asia and a few others, but those were with Eileen and Brittany was actually on one of those trips to Mexico. And I think she was in high school at that time. Crazy how the world works, huh? <laughs> and um, it was during these trips, I realized that yes, this is what I want to do. Couldn't think of a better thing to do with my life. Hannah also went on a few trips. Um, whenever we met, you know, I told her that this is what I was called to do. I felt like I was something important to get up from the front. Mm -hmm. And um, she also, on one of these trips, felt called to missions. And I was happy about that because I had just bought an engagement ring and asked her parents if I could marry her. So <laughs> I was glad that we were on the same page. And so our relationship continued. We got married. And we continued to seek God about what is it we're going to do? Where are we going to go? And of course, during this time, there were doubts. Like, why is this taking so long? You know, did God actually call us? So one day, we went to the zoo with Halle. She was about six months old at this time, so we just went to the zoo for ourselves. And we were having a good time taking pictures, and this lady walks up to, walks up to us and says, hey, would you like me to take a picture of your entire family? We said, sure. It's that picture right there in the middle. After she took the picture, she came up to us, gave us the camera back, and she said, would you like me to pray for you? It was unexpected. Didn't expect it at all, but we were pleased. We said, we would love for you to pray for us. And while she was praying for us, she said five words that gave us a confirmation we need to continue on this journey. She said, God, I am sensing missions. Blew our minds for the fact that this lady that we had never seen before and haven't seen after, and trust me, we have looked, um, to be able to speak and pray into something that we were struggling with at the moment, only God. So we were thankful that we got that confirmation that told us we were right where we needed to be. We just needed to continue to be patient. So here we are about three years later, getting ready to go on our first assignment to Zaragoza, Spain. Zaragoza is located between Madrid and Barcelona. It's about three hours from each city. 
and we will be working with two churches in this beautiful city. These churches are currently meeting in small buildings similar to garages, and um, they're packed tight, and some of their necessities aren't as functional as they should be, such as the restroom. Have you personally ever had to worry about where a friend would sit if you invited them to church? Or have you ever wondered where you might have to walk to, um, just use the bathroom? Imagine facing these concerns and continuing to go to church Sunday after Sunday. These churches are also composed of immigrants from Latin America. For those of you that may have ever had the opportunity to live in another country, and I'd always suggest it, or even visit another country, um, living in another country can be hard. Um, when you don't know the culture, you don't know what's expected of you, you don't know where to go when a problem arises, and especially if you don't speak the language, it can be very intimidating. It can also be intimidating when the people that live there aren't as welcoming as you would like them to be. So, um, it is very easy for immigrants to group together and become comfortable in their little groups and not really engage those around them. Um, Pastor John asked us one day in our Sunday school class, why does missions always feel like it has to be something in another country? And it was after some reflection, I figured out my answer. Um, in Sunday school one day, I thought I was always so focused on hearing God's voice and finding that call, you know, what he, that big thing he wanted me to do, that I never really focused on what he was calling me to do right here and right now. So whenever we found out about this assignment, there were two things that came to mind. The first was when we found out we were going to Spain. Our field strategy coordinator, one of our future bosses, asked us if we spoke any Spanish. The answer to that is no. I was learning to speak with some of the people at my work who are all from places like Mexico, Ecuador, Cuba, and we were, I told him, I'm learning to speak with them, but I know the Spanish is different. And he said, well, the people you're working with are actually from Latin America. Oh, how God works. And so it was just crazy that I was already connecting with the culture that I was going to be working with. The next thing that really stood out to me was the fact that he said he wanted the church to become a church that engages the community. Like he said, they're all composed of immigrants, and they kind of just stick together, kind of inward-looking, and he wanted them to be an outward-looking church. Well, this answered a question for me, because I always wondered, why did God send us to OKC first? I don't know if you know, but there are lots of people here that focus on those that are not a part of this church, that they look to those that are on the margins and maybe won't even step foot in a church their entire life. We knew that this is where God wanted us to be. So I was thankful that he answered that question for me. So there are a lot of things that we will be responsible for doing when we get there, such as hosting work and witness teams, community outreach, English lessons, things like that. And if you would like to know more about that, we would love to meet with you in the back after church. Our goal, however, is to ensure 
that by the time we leave Zaragoza, these churches have the resources, the confidence, and the strategies they need to move into their communities the way OKC First has taught us to. Every church should be able to have a building in their community that can be a presence, just like we are the building across from Red Lobster. <laughs> Every church should have the opportunity to grow and not be limited by space and facilities. And we believe that every church should be a church that focuses on those around them and be the light that God has called us to be. So what can we do? These churches are now a part of OKC First. I'm sorry to give you guys extra responsibility, but I don't think you're going to mind. Um, so like we said, if you would love to partner with us, we would love to speak with you. We may not be able to get to speak with everyone today, but there should be a way for you guys to just write down your information and give us your contacts. We're also going to have prayer cards and our very first newsletter, we're proud of that, <laughs> out there for you to grab. And if they run out, because I expect all of you to grab one, um, just let us know and we can get some more. But just like we said, it doesn't have to be something in another country. It doesn't have to be something in another state. It can be something you do right here. Missions can be done wherever you are, whether it's home, work, school, even in church, you can do missions. God has blessed us each with talents, gifts, desires that we can use without waiting for him to tell us to figure out what we can do to help. So, if you believe that God gave you a heart for children, I'm sure Pastor Lisa would love more volunteers. We also have Ms. Jemis and the one community that meet in this very building every week. They're going to need help. So if you don't know where to go, just ask around. If you have a heart for the poor or for those that don't have houses, you can speak with Professor Forsberg. Him and the Michael Project do so much each and every month to help those that are on the streets. Like I said, there are multiple opportunities for you to help. You just have to ask. If you don't know what your desire is and you just feel like giving away money, come speak with us. We would love to meet with you. But don't get me wrong. You guys are truly amazing. Like I said, and I'll say it again and again, we have learned what it is to serve by coming to this church. Some of you guys have even helped us without even knowing it, without even knowing it. How do you do that? Through faith promises. I don't know how many of you give faith promises. Those faith promises are pledges you make to give to missions, and you make that decision through prayer and consideration with your family, and when you give that, it goes to help missionaries like us. For example, in our preparation to go to Spain, we've had to take classes. We've taken two or three so far, and we've not had to pay for any because of the money that you give through those faith promises. So on behalf of all the missionaries that you have helped and you didn't even know it, we want to say thank you. But for those of you that don't know how to serve or don't know how to plug in or just, where do I go? We also want you to have the confidence and the resources 
just like the churches in Spain, to be able to plug into your community. Um, whenever we do that, it changes lives. Not just the lives we help, but our lives as well. I don't think I've realized how much each mission trip has affected me more than I think I've affected anyone else. So, as we close, we want to end with this verse right here. It says, it's from 1 Peter 4.10, and it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So as Pastor John and those of you that are helping with communion come up, I wanted to share something I shared in my discipleship class. I told everyone that um, I am an introvert that loves hospitality. So while I love being hospitable, I don't like doing it at my house. It's hard. I just want to relax. But there are going to be times when I do need to be hospitable because people are going to need it. So where do I get the strength to be uncomfortable in my own home? Well, it's from coming to the table, but not just from coming to the table, but from coming to the table with people like you. People that have invited us, accepted us, and allowed us to be a part of your community. And I'm even more thankful because now these churches these churches are going to be a part of your community. And they're not going, only going to have the strength to say yes if God calls them to another country. But they're going to know that they can just plug in and ask themselves and ask those around them, what can I do? Because that's what OKC First does. Thank you. If you are helping us with communion, I don't know what you're waiting for. Uh, go ahead and come on down front. Thank you. Uh, we typically take the fourth Sunday and reserve it for Africa, but this seemed like the right thing to do today. So we are, if you would like to make a specific contribution to Matthew and Hannah and their ministry, you'll be able to do that. There are some cards out here in the atrium where they can, there's like a QR code and, and giving, that kind of thing. We will also have uh, options on our website. Everyone, this, maybe here's another way to understand OKC First. What we're trying to do is fashion an atmosphere in which by your involvement around here, you and I are being shaped into a living, breathing yes to the call of God. Wherever that call might take you. It might take you all the way across the street. It might take you to another pew in another section. It might take you to Spain. I don't know. But this experience, this liturgy, these classes, the things that we do and say are, are done in the hopes that someday somebody will get up front and say, because of you and because what God has said to me around here, we're saying yes, even though it's taking us to Spain. Y'all, we have missionaries that we need to support. 
and you are supporting them even as you take communion. So Heavenly Father, bless these elements now and use them, God, to shape us to be the embodiment of a yes to whatever call might be coming our way. Remind us, God, that in broken body and shed blood, these are elements that communicate grace, a costly grace that you've extended to us and that we remember each and every week. May we be shaped to be people who can extend a costly grace. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet to exit your pew to your left and to come forward. All of you who will, all are invited, but none are compelled. If you'd rather sit this one out, you are perfectly welcome to sit this one out. If you do come forward, hopefully you'll come to somebody holding a plate of bread. As you get close enough, that person will say, this is the body of Christ broken for you and press it into your open hands. Please come with open hands. Take that piece of bread, dip it into the cup, the person holding the cup right there will say, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you, and then take and eat, and then find a place to pray. If you come to one of these side padded altars, we will understand that you are there for a prayer for healing, and someone will meet you there, Pastor Ken over here, and Pastor Jim Williams over here will meet you over there to pray that prayer for healing. It might be physical, it might be relational, it might be mental, emotional, but we will pray for you and anoint you with oil. There's nothing magic about this oil, but it will be the constant kind of sticky reminder of the companionship and presence of God in your life. If you come to one of these kneeling benches up front, we won't assume anything, but we will at some point come by, probably me, touch you on the back, the neck, the shoulder, just to let you know that you do not pray alone, ever. You can also circle right back around to your seat. You can pray from there. God hears those prayers too. I often give you some things to think about and pray about. I'm going to do it again today. Pray for Matthew and Hannah. Pray for Mataniah and Ale. Pray that their example might be another way that God is shaping you for yes. Pray that their message and example might be shaping you for a yes while you're praying for them in Spain. And you'll see that around the sanctuary, there are one, two, three, four up front and a beautiful bowl back there in the back, all filled with water, meant to help to, rem to remind you of your baptism. We are all who have been baptized, we are all participants in the call that Matthew and Hannah talked about today. And if you need to be reminded of the moment of your baptism, then just dip your fingers into that water and may the chill of the water remind you of that moment, that memory. And then remember that that calling is still yours. Wherever it might take you, remember that yes might just take you across the street. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you, and every time you eat of it, remember me. Later he would take the cup, hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant, and every time you drink of it, remember me. And now all across the sanctuary, all of you who would, stand to your feet, exit your pew to the left, 
and come forward to receive these gifts of God meant to nurture and nourish the people of God. 